Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm Penny Hopkins, and this show is presented by Great Southern Bank. They're our presenting sponsor, and they are serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs, and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors we're going to talk about throughout the show include Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. So before we get to our guest that's in the studio, let's talk a little bit about what happened last week. Last week, we went hunting. We went hunting. We went fishing. It was very exciting. Warren Rose was here, um, and he talked to us a little bit about opening deer season. Um, if you ever wanted like a hunting 101 um, exposure, if you've never been, it's a great show to listen to. If you are an experienced hunter, it was very interesting to listen to some of the tidbits and things from the Missouri Department of Conservation. So you can go listen to that episode on the website, A Coach's Perspective, also um, on Apple, and you can find it on Spotify, Verbal, and Helium Satellite Radio. So on our show, we have, uh, you know, we talked about the Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks. I don't have a Kansas City Chief, but I've got a Chief here. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a nice segue. Yeah, I like that's that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I, I am excited about tonight because we have kind of a unique angle that we're going to talk about, leadership and sports. All right. So we talk about how sports parallel life. Mm-hmm. We talk about that often. And we talk about, you know, even successful former athletes and, and what they gained from sports and how they've become successful in their professional lives. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to kind of parallel um, what my guest does and compare that to a Division One coach and how he leads his program. And you're going to see a lot of parallels. I really like this alignment a lot. So welcome to the show, Chief Paul Williams. Well, Jenny, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, sometimes just casual conversations over lunch evolve into something like this. So I know, right? It was great. Yeah. Yes, yes. We started talking about some of the things that you do on a daily basis. And I started, of course, I'm, you know, I can be nosy rosy. And I was asking you a lot of different questions. Absolutely. And I'm like, this is a coach. This is a coach. That's what a coach does. So, you know, it just kind of happened. And I thought this is a this is a great opportunity for us to show those parallels. Yeah. You know, I've always kind of thought of it that way. But you really brought that point home that I am kind of like the coach of a team. Yes. I have a lot more than most coaches do, you know, 400 plus employees. But the men and women <laughs> of the police department are really, you know, it's we always talk about the team concept and working as together and, and me leading the team. So, uh, it's, it's a great parallel about what they do and how they do it and how they have to work together. And, and uh, and me, I like the, the, the parallel, the, I'm the Andy Reed of the uh, Springfield police department. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we're going to call you coach Williams tonight. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and you know, a little bit of background. I mean, you have, you know, a, a lot of education um, in law enforcement. You went to Northern Michigan university with a degree in criminal justice and then a master's in criminal justice administration from Northeastern Oklahoma state university. Um, but you have so many different um, leadership and organizational certifications, and you've been an instructor as well. Um, it's safe to say you're highly decorated, not only in law enforcement, but in our community. I mean, in 2016, Springfield Business Journal, you were one of the men of the year, um, you know, that you just were honored for the Viz 100. Congratulations Thank on you. that last week. And, I, you know, you and Regina also have, you know, three children and a granddaughter, which, hello, that is a, a big accomplishment on your resume. And they all play sports, so I'm coaching at home, too. Uh, you know, all my kids played sports, uh, uh, soccer. Uh, my eldest played basketball and soccer. Uh, and my, my two youngest uh, dabbled in everything and then kind of gravitated towards one, you know, I mean, baseball, basketball, uh, football, and then soccer. And uh, my granddaughter, thank you for mentioning her, uh, she is uh, – an outstanding volleyball player, and she just tried her hand at basketball. And my daughter sent me a video of her making her first layup, and I had to go, "Hey, 
nice steal before the layup, and nice. as, as she as she rolled it in, and then they got her her scream as it actually went in the hoop. So it was oh pretty my cool. Goodness. That is pretty cool. That is great. And and if you can, that is when I think a lot of people can relate to this when they have their first experience in youth sports with their kids or grandkids. Just that joy um, and that sense of accomplishment uh, that she feels. I mean, she missed a lot of layups probably to get to that point, but when you make it, those all go away. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And and I I uh, as a parent and then as a coach and I, I coach youth sports for years and then as the chief, I uh, my, the accomplishments of my kids, the accomplishments of my players, and the accomplishments of my officers actually mean more to me than anything I've accomplished in my career. And I think uh, that's. Uh, a coach's perspective when you you're <laughs> yes. doing that to, to steal your uh, your title is absolutely where you should be. You know you should be uh, you know uh, being gratified and recognizing and celebrating and and really being proud of of the accomplishments of those folks that you've led. I think that is uh, that sounds exactly like a, a post game uh, you know media <laughs> conference with a coach. Um, you just so let's let's talk a little bit about you know when I talk to coaches I'm always like well you know why football why basketball why volleyball why you know, why law enforcement? What is it that pulled your, your heart in that direction? So I, I'll go back to when I was five. I mean, my dad was a policeman. My grandpa was a policeman. So I kind of say it's the family business. That's uh, what I've always wanted to do. Never really thought about doing anything else. I mean, I had pulled in a couple different directions. Uh, my grandmother wanted me to be a pastor. I actually thought about that at some point. Um, but as far as education-wise and what I wanted to do, it was always towards law enforcement. So um, And haven't haven't uh, regretted that one bit. I've uh, been very successful at it, I think, and been able to give back to the community. Um, uh, the the pastoral um, uh, tugging at, you know, it wasn't just my grandma, but then uh, about halfway through my career when I thought I was going to retire and do something else, I really committed to that. Okay, I'm like, what am I going to do? And, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a prayerful guy, and uh, so I did. I prayed about it, and I said, all right, God, what do you want me to do? Am I going to go this way or this way? And uh, he very clearly gave me a couple signs, and, Okay, you can make a difference in in the world in your community doing what you do, and then bringing that that faithful perspective on it as well. So um, that's that's where I'm at, and I haven't regretted it one bit. Well, I know that um, you know law enforcement can be tough, right? Law enforcement is a tough profession. Probably tougher now than it ever has been, to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. And this is something that you know there's a there's a lot of cha- challenges with it. Um, you know, and I think one of the things as a coach is you've got to help your your team members deal with some of those challenges and, and still keep their focus on, you know, what the objective of the game is, right? Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you do that in this day and age with um, with law enforcement officers? So, so it's twofold. It's keeping the morale up, just you know, like any team. And, and when things go bad, you know, how do you keep them from, from wallowing in that and, and get them out of that? And so um, I've been told by more than one person, but by the people I work with and uh, and other folks, I'm a positive guy. I'm an optimist. I always see the the bright side of things, even when things are bad. So I think that's part of it, you know, never getting pulled into that and then recognizing that you need to provide that that uh, other perspective and that, that other viewpoint that, yeah, I know this is happening, but look at what we're doing or look what we can do or look what you can do or, or here's what you've done, you know, and so focus on the good things, I think, is the first thing. Um, secondly, it's, it's um, providing – benefits and and uh and for us it's equipment and training and um you know pay and, and benefits is is one aspect but policing you know we get paid a lot so it uh, it's making sure they have a livable wage but then providing i think the necessary equipment and training uh to get them to do what they want to do you know and then finding out what their goals are i'm a i'm a huge goal setter and push that down to my supervisor meet with your people and find out where they want to go and what they want to do 
and where and how do we get them there? Not everybody's going to get where they want to get. You know, I didn't get everything I wanted throughout my career, uh, but sometimes you uh, you recalibrate and you figure out a different plan or a different way or or a different goal, and you keep striving to achieve that. You don't just give up and go, well, I didn't I didn't make this rank or I didn't get selected for this assignment. Uh, I'm just going to quit and go do something else. So it, it's you got to watch the film, figure out why. You absolutely, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you got to figure out why you didn't do that and what you're going to do differently and how you're going to adjust. Yeah. I mean, at halftime, you got to make adjustments all the time. So sometimes we have to do that in our own professional lives too. And, and recognize when you put a good team together, when you have a good team with good quality people, you're not competing against uh, people that aren't qualified. So sometimes, and I've I've experienced this, and I've I've had meetings with folks after they haven't got something, and go, look, you're great. You're doing a great job, but you know what? This person has just performed better. They have a better upside. They've got more experience. They've got more training. They they prepared better for the position. You can be there too, but don't get down on yourself. Celebrate their accomplishments right. and support them because uh, we're all here to accomplish the same thing, working together. In our instance, it's not about winning the game. It's about preventing crime. It's keeping people yeah. safe and uh, putting bad guys in jail. Well, and, I, and I'm actually glad you brought that up because when you know when we do this show and we're kind of comparing – um, we, we do have to keep it in perspective. These, these are two different levels, <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that, you know, I acknowledge that and validate that. But there are, it's just interesting to me, all of the different parallels. So, I mean, for example, let's talk about recruitment because mm-hmm. in Division One head coaches, recruitment is a huge part of it. And now with the transfer portal, it's not only recruiting new players, it's recruiting your own roster, too. So how do you, what's your recruitment and retention philosophy? You know, it's, it's funny you brought that up because I've, I've used that analogy over the last couple of years as recruiting for policing has gotten more difficult. Um, when I became a police officer a long time ago, 40 years ago, there were a thousand people that showed up for the test and they hired 35. I mean, so, you know, it was, it was a very competitive process, but there were more than enough recruits. Even here in Springfield, you go back 15 years ago, and there were 500 people who were testing for 25 positions. So you could really pick the best and the brightest and not have to worry about reaching out and trying to bring people in. Um, I've been here 13 years, and, and we changed our philosophy a little bit to try to recruit more women and minorities because that hadn't been a focus. So that kind of kind of parlayed into what we're doing now, which is now it is a highly competitive environment to recruit police officers. Um a lot of negative imagery, negative narrative, negative events over the last four or five years that have caused some people to not want to be the, an officer and then other people to step away from the profession because they don't want to be around that negativity. So a couple of those two things together, less people wanting to do it and more people stepping away, which means we all have vacancies, more than we ever have. And so it's become a competitive environment for both new recruits, so think the the D1 athlete where the coach is in the living room with, with mom and dad trying to convince why you want my offer instead of this offer. And then, two, uh, you mentioned the transfer portal. So we have lateral hires where we recruit officers from other departments. Or I look at it as they come find us, which I think is kind of what happens in, in the transfer portal is an athlete goes, I want to go somewhere else. So they find where they want to go, and then they hope that they're welcomed in or accepted. So we're doing the same thing. So – on the on the new hire side, we've had to increase our marketing efforts. You know, we had never really marketed before, so using media campaigns, using social media, uh, using radio, TV, um, creating a, a uh, an entry level. Just a, our GoSPD.com is our one portal for everything, and we created a very short six question interest card. Submit this, and it comes in. Um, and then I have a part time recruiting staff, kind of like a coach would have. You know, they have their assistants. They also have recruiters, part-time, somebody coordinating it. And then 
getting in contact with folks. You know, it used to be you apply to the police department, the application would go to HR. You know, they would contact you about here a testing date is coming up in three months, and then maybe you don't hear from them, you show up and you pass. And now if we wait three months, we've lost that recruit to another agency, just like a football coach or basketball coach would lose that recruit to another college. So maintaining constant contact, immediate contact, uh, and then something brand new for us is, man, like, it's it's a public entity, it's government, and so it's formal, and so there's an email, and there's a form, and there's now uh, we are moving into texting and calling and immediate contact. So the interest forms comes in, how do you like to be contact? Text message or email. 99% of our applicants want a text message. So just like a college coach would have a list of recruits that he's texting on a regular basis, yeah. my recruiters are texting people and going, hey, how you doing? All right, this is the next testing date. Here's what you need to put in. Have you prepared for the physical? You know, here's the written. Constant contact to get that person to realize they really want me. And if this is where I want to be, then you connect. Well, and, and merging that with, um, you know, there was, a, there was a story written about your department, and, and then you have, a new, um, you have a new marketing tool that's getting ready to come out. But you're, you, it was talking about former athletes and, and being officers. Um, tell us a little bit about that new marketing. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's just a great correlation. I mean, and we've always recruited from maybe not intentionally, but from, from athletes in the military, you know, structured team environments make good police officers. And we recruit anybody anywhere, but it seems like those, those two entities, people more successful. So you're right. There was a, there was a, a local story about uh, a few athletes who become police officers and talking about them. And so my staff, took that idea and went, you know, how many ex-athletes do we have? So we kind of did a little internal poll, um, didn't limit it to D1 athletes, or if you were ever a college athlete or a professional athlete or semi-pro athlete, anywhere, anytime, um, let us know. And great response. There's probably more than than I even realized. Um, and then in, in a way of marketing and recruiting, we do an annual calendar. Um, and we've done everything with the calendar from focusing on the history of the police department to vehicles to canines to activities community events, um, my public affairs officer, Chris Waters, said, hey, what if we did a where are they now? So you were an athlete in college. You were an athlete after college. Now you're a police officer. Get a before and after picture and then have them give their perspective on how that correlates to the job. There we go. There um, we go. So That's we just, a show right there. We're going to have to bring some of them You're going to have to. I'm telling you, we just, <laughs> it just went to the printer today. We should have those uh, hopefully by the end of the month. We give them away. Uh, we don't we don't sell them. I think it's a gift to the community to learn more about their their police officers. And in this way, it's going to be a recruiting tool because here you'll be able to look and go. Here's a here's a former college baseball player or a former uh, uh, national team basketball player. Or we've got some extreme stuff. Uh, you know, uh, somebody that played Australian rules football, um, <laughs> somebody that was in the roller derby uh, outside of the traditional sports right. activities. But all of them, you know, team concepts. Right. You know, uh, right. And, and how that equates to being a police officer where you have to be a member of a team. Um, but then also as, as an individual, you know, I think there's, there's, there's both things. You perform as an individual within the team, team environment. So you kind of have to be able to flow both ways. Uh, it's, it's, it was a great idea. It's a great tool. And there's absolute correlation between athletics and policing. Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. All right, well, we're going to take our first break, and we'll be back with um, Chief Paul Williams here. Sorry about that. Coach Paul Williams. (laughs) I'll take either. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. Hey, thank you again to Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy, and they're owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. Hey, it's a proven fact. Scientific studies, professional dietitians, they all agree the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best-tasting chocolate, and they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. So we're back here with uh, Chief Paul Williams, and, you know, we're, we're aligning kind of what um, Chief Williams does with the Springfield Police Department and what a Division I um, head coach does with, with their program. And there's so many parallels uh, to what you do and how you coach the police department. Um, and I'm going to assume that after a shift, maybe you have chocolate milk available to them. <laughs> you know, we haven't <laughs> done that, but I think maybe we should. There yeah. you go. There you go. Contact Highland Dairy. <laughs> they have the best tasting chocolate. We'll reach out. <laughs> <laughs> they supply the ice cream for our ice cream truck, so well, there you go. maybe we can That's do chocolate wonderful. milk for the officers. Yeah. Yes, I think, you know, Highland Dairy is a great community supporter. Uh, it's amazing how many different events that they are involved in. Yep. So we talked about recruitment in the last segment and, and retention a little bit. I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I kind of touched on this about how it's hard. You know, it is tough to be in law enforcement mm-hmm. right now. And and I think, you know, it's it's filled with dangerous situations and unexpected dangerous situations. And I think that's something that there's a higher level than most risks. Um, Monsters.com actually has it as the number 18 most dangerous job. Um, and number 22 is um, athletes and coaches, right? So you've got like a lot of roofers and construction and things like that that are that are more dangerous. But if you think about all of the different professions and it is that high on the list, um, that that's incredible. In, Incredible. So, uh, so let me give you a perspective on that because I, I I teach my I teach at MSU and I, that's yes. part of what I talk to students about about the danger of the profession and everybody thinks policing is one that you know should be in the top five and we go through that list mm-hmm. and I go what's the common theme for all those other professions that are dangerous it's equipment or nature right policing is the only profession where the danger comes from other human beings mm-hmm. I mean yes there's car crashes and yes there's health risks and and you know COVID was was uh, a horrible uh, uh, pandemic that, that took a lot of officers' lives across the country. But really, the policing from day one, the threat comes from other human beings. So you have to learn how to protect yourself from other people. That's unique. There's nothing else that faces that. So in my regard, I say that's why it's the number one most dangerous profession, because you can't control human behavior. You know, is like you can control, don't go out on the deep sea fishing right. when the weather's horrible, you know. Right. Uh, you know. Don't don't walk across across that that steel beam without any any uh, safety equipment. Correct. You know, uh, don't touch that hot wire. <laughs> right. When you're when you're working on it. So you have to have a lot of training. I mean, and I know that you have you try to train for every situation, and you train to the point where it develops their instincts so that they can react right. appropriately. But you know, let's you know, we, we talked recruiting. Um, let's you know, let's say that that I I have a son that's interested in law enforcement. Um, not that this is going to happen. You know, this would happen to a Division One head coach. Like, are you going to take care of my son when they come to your university? But, uh, you know, that what doesn't... would you say to that mom, that mom and dad? You know, like how, how, um, what kind of safety assurances can you make? For yeah, so, so we recruit for people who already we think first off exercise integrity and then good judgment and communication skills and <clears throat> excuse me problem solving. But then my my response to that is we provide training, education, and equipment. You know, we make sure that they have the tools they need to keep themselves safe. But the underlying uh, baseline of all that is the training and education level. So much like a coach, you know, you train for circumstances and you train for for what's going to happen. 
in some cases so then it becomes routine where you don't have to think about it. You just react to whatever that uh, that play is or you react to whatever happens during that play and how you're going to respond to it. And policing is, is very similar. It's called we, reading the defense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> reading Curl cut or fade cut? Read and react. Yeah. You know, read <laughs> yeah. and react and, and respond. And the difference here is it, it could be life or death. It could be dangerous. It's, mm-hmm. it's what, do you, what do you do to keep yourself from being in that situation? Right. Or how do you respond to keep yourself safe or keep others safe? Um, and the, the number one, so I say the number one thing when I have people go on ride-alongs or my assistant police academy talks to officers and they go out and, and they experience them when they're working is, oh, my gosh, look how calm they are, how professional, how they react or don't react to things. Um, I, I just had somebody tell me a couple weeks ago they were on a ride line and they go, I don't know how officers take all that. Yes. I, w- I wanted to punch the guy. Yes. You know, the citizen saying that and react. I go, well, we don't react in kind. All right, we react to control and bring you know, calmness and, and resolve situations. And that has to do with confidence. Like you have to build confidence in your training. It is. There's, 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 there's confidence. There's a, there's a good self-image about what you are capable of doing and what you can do and what you, how you don't need to respond. Um, I actually had this conversation with one of my officers today. He, was, he said something and I stopped. I was walking the hall and I go, it took me three years as a young officer to understand what you just said. You know, talking to people is more important than laying hands on. So talking someone into handcuffs is a better right. result than having to wrestle around with them and right. put them in handcuffs. So the same thing in an athletic endeavor, you know, being able to read the defense, react accordingly, and, you know, find the open open man to you know, score the basket, score the touchdown without having to make a fantastic move or plow through somebody or go over, you know, it's it's absolutely joyous when it happens. Right. I think it's the same thing for us. You know, uh, an officer being being confident and competent and and being able to control that situation where everybody else goes, wow. And then the end result is, bad guy goes to jail. The victim is is protected. Something is prevented from happening. So that would be my conversation with that mom sitting in the living room, right. like a coach going, well, yeah, we're going to take care of your son if you let him come play for me. It's going to, yeah. hey, we will provide all the tools both training and equipment necessary to keep your son or daughter safe mm-hmm. and make sure that they can handle things appropriately. Now, I can't control human nature, all right? right. So I can't give you a 100% guarantee, but I can say they'll be best equipped and best trained person when they get out of the academy and then every year after. So there's the other thing about, mm-hmm. about I think, the parallel to, to coaching. You know, you don't, you don't just train somebody and then turn them loose and you, you don't do anything for the, for the next 20 years, right. you know? There's a training camp, there's preseason, there's exhibition, mm-hmm. and then every week in between, you're you're looking at the film, you're seeing what right. went what went wrong, how can we do something better. We are constantly debriefing and critiquing and, and learning and improving on what we do and how we do it to make sure that we're better able to handle something in the future. And I love that um, because you know you know, and there are some coaches that have been around a long time. Sometimes their programs are in neutral, um, and then there's pro- there's coaches that are like that that want to develop and constantly grow and make their teams better and they're doing you know turning over every stone and they've shifted into drive and i and i think uh, i can appreciate that philosophy and and i think that's i've taken that that uh that philosophy i've been there 13 years but i'm i'm not neutral um i'm i'm forward thinking and visionary and i'm always looking for new things in fact i had had somebody tell me years ago um hey you know we were i was we were like rocking along just mm-hmm. steady you know plowing the field and moving along like i was connected to the to the plow horse and and uh, as a chief, now it's like trying to hang on to secretariat, you know, because we were, we were, we were running and we yes. were gunning and we were going ahead. And so 
And so, and people want to be a part of that. And, yeah, and there's moments where you slow down, right, and and you you trot along, all right. And then there's moments where you just you know you you spur the horse ahead, and and here we go because we've got to do something else. So, I think and it, it's situational, just like in sports. Sometimes you know you're in the two minute offense and you're you run down the field, and, and other times, man, you're you're slowing down and eating the clock right. and trying to maintain what you've got. Yes. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm loving all of these different parallels and we're going to, we're going to take our final break, but, um, you know, I want to give a shout out to, to your officers. Um, I hope some of them are listening and and I just want to give them, you know, a, a community gratitude, you know, for what they do each and every day. I mean, one, obviously I, I have a brother that's on the force mm-hmm. as well and, um, Sergeant Jeff Burnett and he's been on my show cause he's also my chief's correspondent, <laughs> <laughs> my Kansas city chief's okay. correspondent. I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. I can yeah. speak for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask Jeff about yes, that. Yes, and he, he, he is just, uh, I admire so much what, what, what he does and what your officers do. And so before we go to our next break, I just wanted to make sure and give a, a big shout out. Thank you for what you all do. You don't hear it enough. You don't hear it enough. A lot of times you hear the negative and the negative. I'm here to tell you there are a lot of positive um, comments and that we appreciate what they are doing each and every day, putting their lives on the line. And, I, and I, if I can just quick comment, this community is absolutely supportive and the officers see that. They feel that that's why you know, I think uh, they stay and why people want to come here. You know, we were having recruiting issues like everyone else, but but uh, we are still attracting very high-quality people, and I'm surrounded by fantastic men and women who, who love what they do and go out there and take care of the citizens every day. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right, well, we're going to take our, our final break. I want to thank Highland Dairy again for sponsoring this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. to a coach's perspective hey this segment is sponsored by bill grant ford and bolivar they know cars they know trucks they know suvs and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal i've been one of them for over 25 years give kelly grant and shane rainey a call they're going to take care of you call them at 417-326-7671 i also want to thank west logging for sponsoring this segment you can find danny west um, at westlogging.com or uh, on facebook he'll give you a free consultation and he's going to treat your land like his own we also want to thank Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance for supporting this segment. So we're back here with Chief Paul Williams, and we're, we're showing the uh, kind of the alignment of the parallels between you coaching the Springfield Police Department, you know, and a Division One head coach. And we've talked about recruitment. We've talked about, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things that do align, you know, the retention. Um, you, but I want to talk a little bit about team chemistry because I think that is um, that's huge. You know, when when you have a team, you've got to have good team chemistry. You have different. You have different squads. You have different um, teams within your department, mm-hmm. um, and I know this. A lot of this has to do with some internal leadership. But you know, how do, how do you promote a positive team chemistry? And what do you do if there is a squad that is not clicking? You know, so it, it very much equates to a to a, a team where you have you have segments, you have squads, you have areas. I mean, we have everything from patrol to investigations to the SWAT team to narcotics to canine to training, and so um, some people. You know, there, there are individual goals and there's team goals. So, you know, maybe your individual goal doesn't mesh up. So you've got to really work with that person to go, okay, 
uh, I want to be a homicide detective chief. Well, you know what? We have a really good group of homicide detectives, and I'm not planning on moving anybody. So, you know, you need to figure out a different goal in, in a different way. Maybe you'll get there at some point in your career, but don't just focus on one thing, you know, and, and then if I don't attain that, then I'm just going to quit. You know, you equate that to a guy who wants to be a starting pitcher on the baseball team, and the coach goes, you know, you just, you just we've got a good solid rotation, but I really need you to, you know, work out of the bullpen, and maybe you'll be the setup guy, or, you know, maybe you can be the closer, and, and I can get you for, you know, for an inning to, to really really come in and help the team, and then maybe you can build to that, or maybe that becomes your, your niche that you're going to be very successful that way. So I think in policing, I do that with, uh, with the squads, and, and, you know, we're, Paramilitary, so we have rank structure, but I'll, I won't go through all of them. I'll just say a, a sergeant is the squad supervisor. So you can say that's the, uh, you, when we're on break, the position coach. Mm-hmm, or I can yes. say that the leader of the small team within a team. So you have a sergeant who has, has six to ten officers, and that is his or her team. And they become very, very close-knit, and they work closely together um, to accomplish whatever they're going to accomplish. And that's in patrol or investigations or, or you know, uh, the SWAT team, for example. So being able then to mesh all those individual teams because, you know, there there have been instances of policing around the country where a team within a team becomes its own and they they go contrary to what the, the organization, the department wants. So they become, they go rogue and maybe it's, maybe do something very negative, which then reflects in everybody. So it's being able to, as the, the coach of the team altogether, bring those position coaches together and go, all right, here's our team goals. Now, what can you do to help us get there? And what's, what, what are you going to bring? And then depending on those, those team leaders, those sergeants to, to really drive that home to the troops and say, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to fit in. I know you want to go do this. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to, you want to, you don't want to answer calls. You want to, you know, chase bad guys with warrants. All right. You want to go seek out drugs and guns and, and not write traffic tickets. But our, our goal, our role right now is to do this and then overall get them to see what we accomplish overall as a team. So uh, it, it's it's a constant constant uh, battle in some ways to, <laughs> to get people to conform, but it's also as you give recognition and support. Um, so, you know, I, I coach and mentor. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching and mentoring all the time, and I expect my supervisor to do that and bring people up. And then, and then as people leave, you know, they retire, resign, or someone's not with, getting with the program. They're too focused on themselves or they do something improper, illegal, immoral, that we have to separate them from the team because they're, then that's my, my job. That's my role. You know, you're you put benching some, them. You're you, benching them. you bench them or you put them on waivers, you know, you trade right. them away. Yes. Um, Turn in your uniform. Or you find somewhere where they're going to fit in. Say, okay, you're not, you're not really fitting in this role, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to correct your behavior and move you to this assignment where I think you can do some good and you can resurrect, you know, or, or do something better. So it's a, it, it's an absolute, uh, constant ongoing sense of change and and as as the chief just like the head coach i just can't sit back and let everybody do their own thing uh and then hope it's going to work you've got to be involved but but give people leeway to to do things you you don't want to micromanage what they're doing Uh, you want to give them that autonomy to run the team like they need because a lot of times the dynamics and the chemistry um, each team has its own personality. You gotta, every team has to be coached to that personality. You know, and, and using you know sports analogies again. I mean, so you talk about football. You got offensive, defensive coordinators, and the head coach make sure they're doing things. Then you have position coaches for, each, and they all kind of all flow up. You now direction comes from the top, but I'm not I'm not in the trenches. You know, uh, doing line blocking with the offensive right. line. All right, um, 
uh, baseball. You know, I'm, I'm managing the team. I'm putting the lineup together. I'm putting, you know what, but I got a first base coach and a third base coach and I got a hitting coach and somebody in the bullpen and a bench coach giving me, giving me, uh, you know, insight. I'm responsible for the final decision, but I have to depend on each one of those folks. And so that's what I do. I have to depend on my shift commanders, the lieutenants that are out there managing a shift when everyone else is sleeping, you know, depend on each of those sergeants to command and supervise and manage and, and mentor and coach their officers to get them all focused on the, the team goal, the department goal, but really to, to uh, give them leeway to, to build that group and then recognize those high performers that are going over and above and beyond. Uh, and I'll, uh, like athletes, police officers are type A personalities are competitive, you know, and there it's, and so that builds, you know, you, if you see some other team outperforming you, that sergeant, that supervisor is going to going to whip his folks into shape right. and get them to come along. And uh, and and just like in in sports, there's there's a lot of trash talking and and uh, and peer pressure. Right. And, uh, and it's generally in a positive way sure. to bring people along and and, uh, and get but them. You all know that trash talking happens, but you also know that in the time of need, there's nothing they wouldn't do absolutely for their teammates. Uh, and that's it's, it's another good sports night, man. You may, you may, uh, or you know, a sibling analogy where you know you you and your brother or your sister may fight like cats and dogs, but let somebody from the outside yeah. try to do something, bring it on, and then yeah, then <laughs> yeah. I got your back. And right. policing's that way too. You know, uh, you may you may cut up at, at, at a briefing. You may give each other a bunch of grief. You may you may uh, make fun of somebody, do something all in good fun. But you know what? When you then respond to that man with a gun call. You know that that person that was just making fun of you at briefing is the person that's at, on your back and is covering your right side when you go in and you got the left side and and you absolutely can count on them and and that goes back to what we talked about earlier about the training aspect of training together, being comfortable together, knowing what everybody's going to do, uh, and and uh, and being prepared to, to do that absolutely is essential. Yeah, I mean, you, a lot of the time, you know, you're selling roles. I mean, coaches that are listening, I mean, you can relate to exactly what he is saying because you you have to sell the roles on on the team. Um, and I think that's one of the things too is like when you get to the team's mission and when you've got to execute those missions, you, the selfishness and egos have to go out the door. I mean, you want that confidence and you you want that team chemistry and those instincts developed, um, but there's there's no room for selfishness. It's it's you got to be on the team's page. And everybody has to know their role and do their yeah. job. You know, yes. and so the the sports metaphor continues. I mean, not everybody can be the 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 star running back or the quarterback or or the the starting pitcher or the cleanup right. hitter or the or the guys making the the the, the, uh, the winning basket, all right. But everybody else doing their job, and I I'm, I do a lot of football analogies because I I played football a lot, and so and I was a lineman, so I go, you know what, you know, if I don't make my block, you know, you're not going to score. So right. we will all bask in the glow when that happens. Right. But I got to depend on me, and I know what my role is, and 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 then that that spreads out to the rest of the line and everyone else. So uh, policing is exactly the same way. Everybody has to know their role. And probably the different thing is we, we're a little more fluid in who takes the lead. You know, sure. get a call for service. That's your call. Uh, uh, there's, there's a, uh, armed and barricaded until the, the SWAT team gets there, lieutenant gets there. You're the first officer on the scene. You're in charge till someone else gets there and relieves you. Um, and then, uh, everyone knows then they're just taking orders from you. Uh, it doesn't matter. Kind of rank goes out the window at some point. Um, experience, knowledge, training takes over. Um, but then, we have that that process in place where when things maybe calm down a little bit, then we can put the structure back in place. Everybody, uh, you know, kind of slides back into their original role. 
And it, it's like pieces of the puzzle. You got to put mm-hmm. those together. And, you know, when you know, um, you know, this kind of segues into our next analogy and that's scouting. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, how do they scout? I was on police department. <laughs> you scout all the time. Like that is like putting, you know, your finger on the pulse of the community. So you're, you're scouting what are the needs or you are scouting, um, different, um, maybe people or organizations that you're worried about. And so what is it? Tell me about the scouting part of law enforcement. So there's two aspects. You, you can talk about the scouting and the recruiting side. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always, we're always looking for sure. potential recruits, all right, and and bring someone in that you see potential in. But probably more prevalent is the scouting uh, on a day-to-day basis when you talk about in-game in or, or scouting your opponent. Our opponents are bad guys. You know, our opponents are criminals, uh, and so we are gaining insight from citizens and from those people that are that are doing things. So um, I, I like to use the, the three terms, hot people, hot places, hot crimes. So hot people, those folks that we know are, are going to commit more crimes. They're, they're more uh, prolific criminal. So we're going to focus. We're going to scout. We're going to see where they've been, where they're going. We're going to try to predict what they're going to do next. And we're going to be there waiting for them to either prevent it from occurring or, or catch them right after. Um, Hot places or some places that uh, maybe historically or on a short-term basis become hotbeds of criminal activity, and it's a it's scouring the reports, it's scouting through the the data that comes in and going, you know what, this address, this location, this block, this place, all of a sudden is experiencing more activity. So we scouted that, we we uh, acknowledge that. Now we're going to focus resources at that to drive it back down, um, and then. Hot crimes. I mean, sometimes crimes, uh, you know, uh, we have a rash of burglaries. You know, we're not, not sure where it's coming from or, uh, or shootings or shopliftings or auto thefts or whatever it might be. So the scouting is the analysis of the data and, and figuring out why is that occurring? Uh, why is this crime now becoming more prevalent? Is it, a, is it people? Is it activities? Is it lack of preparation and prevention? And then putting that scattering report together, we get a daily crime analysis bulletin. That's basically our, our scattering report for the day. Um, and then every week we have a trending crime analysis. Uh, we just went over my uh, um, uh, uh, command staff meeting this morning about here's some trending things. So now here's our scattering report. Now how do we address it? Okay, what resources do we need to dedicate to it? Here's your strategy. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and a strategy to combat it. And then we're going to get back there next week and go, was it successful? Did we did we turn the tide? Did we make some arrests? Did we did we keep that neighborhood you know, from growing into something more of a problem? Uh, did we did we tamp down that one element of, of criminal activity? So, absolutely a, a perfect analogy. Our crime analysis, our scouting reports. Right, and that that makes such a big difference to be able to see that and know um, what your game plan is going to be. Um, I think that's huge, and then being able to communicate that, as you said, throughout your teams. And, and it's not anything new. We've done this for for. Right decades but you know it used to be a, a map on a wall and you you know reports you'd come in and then a week later a month later you'd see pins about it. man they're right here's all the burglars now we have data at our fingertips um so i talk about crime analysis but we roll that data out officers mdt's in their cars so we're rolling that trend analysis and that data out to officers they can pull up our crime map just like citizens can and go all right i was off the last two days what happened right boom they can look and go they may realize all right, there's a, a problem within a particular area or particular crime, um, and my officers are the are the the, the best scouts I have. Basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, they go, you know what? Um, I arrested a guy who was who was known to commit these types of burglaries. I just checked, you know, he got released from prison. He's back out. We'd ought to be looking at him. Right. Um, or hey, this is the location. There's more going on. I'm going to focus my activity, my routine patrol activity, my traffic enforcement, my car stops 
in that area and see if I can figure out what's going on. So yeah. it's a constant daily daily scouting report. Well, and, and it is, and and I think there's you know there's wins and losses, right, mm-hmm. um, in, in sports and and in our professional lives, you know, and I think you got to have gratitude and grace, um, and I think that one of the things. Um, you know, you have you have to continue to learn, as you said. But you know, one of the things that I always am concerned about um, in a profession like this is the mental health of your athletes, and and I know that um, our collegiate athletes as well. That is a big um, crisis. So, um, before we wrap up tonight, can you just give us a snapshot of of what is it that with mental health? How can you support those officers and 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 keep them strong, not just physically but mentally? So let me I'm going to touch on wins and loss first before I dive into that. Policing is the only profession that's measured by our failures. You know, we can't, we can't track our wins right. like a, like a coach. You can. never know how many okay, times we don't know, we you don't know what we prevented. So, yeah. so we're, uh, and it's one aspect of how we're graded and rated and evaluated, but it's like, how many times did you fail? How many crimes yeah. occurred? How many people got shot? How many things got stolen? So it's, it, it can wear on you mentally then yes. when you're, everyone's always focused on the negative and the failures and the things you couldn't prevent. So, so acknowledging that first off and saying, you know, it's, that's just what, man, you're doing a great job. Don't, that's not the only thing, you know, how do people feel? What's their satisfaction level? How do they, how do they treat you? Are you, are they respectful and courteous and, and, and gracious and, 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 uh, appreciative of your efforts regardless of the bad habits? That's, that's the first thing, but providing some support internally, peer support groups are absolutely essential, you know, getting people together. So they can relate to each other yeah. and support and they're in the trenches together. So. And we started with critical incidents. Somebody's been involved in the shooting, and then when someone else involved in the shooting, you get someone else who, who's already been through that, and you match them up, and they, they, they support them. They help them walk through that, provide counseling. But we've expanded that to just not just critical incidents. It's day-to-day. You know, officers see things every day that people other people don't see, and that can wear on you over time. So offering not just that, that one-on-one contact, but offering professional counseling service. Anonymous officers are... We're a suspicious lot, so you know <laughs> you, you may you don't want anybody to know you know you're going to see a college. You don't want that to be on your record. I think we've we've helped uh, across the the country, but certainly in our department, to remove that stigma. I, I hope mean, so. Yeah, man. If you need to go talk to somebody, to go talk help. to somebody. I'll go talk to somebody. We offer you know mandatory counseling for some folks right. about their position, but then we offer it to everybody, and nobody tracks it. Nobody knows. I don't care. You know, on a critical incident, I do get a report back, you know, because I want to make sure that officer's ready to go back to work. But on day-to-day, I want you to go. Right. And, it's part and of your game. Something. I mean, if you if you weren't a good free throw shooter, you'd work on your free throws. It's it's a strength to be able to get you become yeah. stronger through. And providing the resources. So, you know, given, given the, the athlete the key to the gym to go go right. practice his shooting when no one else is around, you know, we, we offer a, 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 an app. That we uh, we bought and put all the all these resources on there uh, for officers to have on their phone, and they can scroll down and go, okay, here's where I can connect to somebody, or here's where I can watch a video, here's where I can look at a podcast, here's where I can read something that might help address what I'm feeling, and here's other people I can I can reach out to who are doing the same thing. Um, and, and we've expanded that now, not just mental health, but physical well-being, financial well-being. Uh, anything and everything that's going to help you be a better athlete. So you're telling me you're coaching the person, and not Absolutely. just the officer. Absolutely, I love that. Yep. I love that. Um, we, you know, I could I could talk to you all night about this. So I, <laughs> I really appreciate. I, love, I yes. love the fact that we're we're broaching this. And subject. I'm, I'm going to give like ten seconds. Can you tell me one thing you want people to know about police officers that they may not know? One thing. One thing. They're people too. 
Amen. They live in your community. They go to your school. They go to your church. They live in your neighborhood. And when they're not working, they're just like you and me. Uh, but when they are working, you can count on them to be that person that steps in when something bad happens when nobody else will. There you go. That's perfect. Chief Paul Williams, thank you so much for being here tonight. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. Coach it was great. Williams. It was for, great. For an hour, you've been Coach Williams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move into our post-game talk sponsored by Story Construction. Go to story, S-T-O-R-E-E, dot com for more information. Uh, we are preempted next week, and then the week after, we're going to have a youth racing sensation, Corbin Collins, on. You know, in our post-game talk, you know, when, when I thought about this show and using the parallels of coaching a Division One program and leading a law enforcement department, I thought, ooh, this could be a stretch. But once I dug into it more, it was not a stretch at all. It was an easy match. My challenge for you this week is to remember in your professional lives, evaluate during challenging times how you would have bounced back and addressed that situation back in your playing days. There would not be excuses or blaming others or hoping challenges would just go away. It would be facing it with a plan, a strategy, and executing a play that can get you further up the court or down the field to accomplish your goals and your success. And that's what champions do. So I'm going to remind you, as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.